Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things. The podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. Put up some plastic to protect your furniture and let's get into it. Yes, I already lightly brushed away the animal skull you had on the desk. The joys of being a podcaster, blowing away bits of dead skull <laughs> off away from my keyboard. I probably blew them onto your keyboard. Or uh, actually you blew it onto my bed. So I'll be sleeping tonight <laughs> with the dust of a dead marmot. That sounds like a band name. Dust of a dead marmot or yeah. a ballad. Or a ballad. I like it. Mm, like, mm. yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you want all the beside, behind the scenes info about what we do before we start and the recording, chaos behind the scenes, become our Podbean patron for exclusive content. It's only a dollar. Yes. I think you get to go first. I do get to go first. Okay. So my topic relates with your dead marmot, sort of. Oh. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. And it's real hot in here. It is hot. We have, do you want to show the ice packs? We have ice packs at our feet. Yes, we do. Giant, like, cooler packs that we're resting our tootsies on. Because we're high tech. We got no AC, but boy, do we have ice packs. Again, That's if you, you need. would like to be a patron, it's only a dollar. It does not get us air conditioning, but it makes us feel better. Yeah. About sweating. You know, money just, makes a lot of things a lot easier. I would like to say that you did tell me to come here in certain attire for a certain photo that didn't happen. Now I'm wearing a long sleeve black shirt that does not a, breathe. That does not breathe in a room that does not feels breathe. like I'm on fire. And you had us do a photo shoot outside, sitting in the sun first. <sighs> These are the demands that come with podcasting, Macy. Get used to it. I. This I is have. the life you chose. Is it? Is it? Or did you choose for me? One or the other. We were friends first and then this <laughs> happened. All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Don't look at my screen. I won't look at your I'll, screen. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying like... my mostly cold, shilling I know, it got warm. imperial apple, apple cider. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. It is good. I like it. I get to go first. All right. Okay, Google. Let me talk to my dead grandpa. Oh, no. Alexa, where is my dear mama? (laughs) These are the questions we ask in our current times and maybe a part of our future ballad. What was the title? Dust of a Dead Marmot. Right. Rolling in the wind. So these things may sound silly, but they may also become a reality. And I'm going to talk to you a bit about that. We've had AI as topics in previous podcast yes this is a a current slash connection with that i guess i don't know would this be the appropriate time to slip in it's never appropriate to (laughs) slip in just to clear the air i no longer stand for elon musk oh i just want to say that stand for him i appreciate stand like stand stocking yeah, I would say there was, a, there was definitely a time and a place for that within his career. Um, Things have just taken a turn. He, yeah, I mean, there's just such thing as too much. <laughs> too musk. <laughs> Get it? Too musk. <laughs> Muskrat love. We're tying it all back to oh, the rodents. Full great. circle. Great. Somehow we need to get your bag full of lasagna in there, but that's 
you know, a Those topic for another know. story. So Amazon's Alexa might soon be replicating the voice of family members, even if they're dead. Uh-huh. So this capability was actually unveiled at Amazon's Mars conference in Las Vegas, and it's still in development and would allow the virtual assistant to mimic the voice of a specific person that it, um, based on less than one minute of a provided recording. That's a that's like not much to get a lot in theory, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with all the deep fake technology, I heard they can just, you know, every time you speak into your phone, they're grabbing those sound bites and can use it later to replicate your voice. I mean, I just kind of had gave up a long time ago as far as having anything private. It's gone. I have moments where I just want to strip the internet. But it's not. It's still there. But remember when we took that one class where you showed us how to like go back into years of the internet to a static page on a date and like it doesn't matter if it's been deleted. It still exists. It would give me a false sense of security. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Most people couldn't access whatever photos you're talking about. (laughs) But some people can and probably Any photo. That's the problem. Any image, any video, any sound but but what if you put out there now imagine this when you think that when you die that's the ultimate delete button (laughs) well i guess after i'm dead i won't won't care as much you won't care but you would think (laughs) i still care a little but not as much your living self cares a lot about what your dead self wants i care about my legacy i do agreed (laughs) so uh the senior vice president Head scientist for Alexa said at the event that the desire behind this feature was to build greater trust and interactions with users by putting more of a, quote, human attribute of empathy and affect. (laughs) Um, I already argue (laughs) with mine in the car. Um, It's human enough for me. Like, there's just enough. Which one do you use? Uh, I'm a Google. It has conversations with you? No, it just tells me what to do, and I don't appreciate it. Oh. Even if I ask. Okay. Because I don't think I've really used it that much. For like directions. Yeah, I use it for directions. Or put something on my list. Or it Yeah, that stuff, but I've never asked it deep existential questions. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> now I want to. It tells me jokes sometimes. Um really. It, it does. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So the goal is to be more human, really. So in this event, they by Amazon, a young child asks Alexa, can grandma finish reading me Wizard of Oz? <gasps> Alexa then acknowledges the request and switches to another voice that mimics the child's grandmother. Creeptastic. The voice assistant then continues to the, read the whole book in the same voice. WTF, no, sorry. No. My grandma didn't read to me, so that would really freak me out. <laughs> Non-consensual reading. Like if if... Yeah, if I, I, I don't, I don't like it. If no. I, okay. I'm too much of, I like to be in control. <laughs> they can literally make you do whatever. I mean, not really, but your voice. So to create the feature, the company had to learn how to make high quality voice with shorter recordings, opposed to hours of recording, like in a studio. They really didn't provide much detail about how they were going to do this. But now, you know, obviously there's privacy concerns, ethical concerns about consent. Creepy like, concerns. Yeah. How do you consent when someone's dead? 
Um, so Amazon's push comes after the competitor Microsoft um, said that it was scaling back its synthetic voice offering and setting stricter guidelines to ensure active partic participation of the speaker whose voice is recreated. So there is competition based, it's about money. Um, they also continue to highlight accept acceptable uses such as interactive Bugs Bunny characters of the AT&T store. So like, they're like, it's not just about this. There's other ways that we can use it. They said this technology has exciting potentials in education, accessibility, and entertainment. And yet it is also easy to imagine how it could be used inappropriately <laughs> um, to impersonate speakers and to deceive listeners potentially. Of right? course, that's why the whole deep fake thing uh -huh. is so terrifying. It's so real. So that's from Natasha Crampton, uh, uh, one of um, AI, Microsoft's AI ethics division. So they did say this, that um, they themselves have concerns for that because someone could say that they are you, Naomi. They could use your voice. They could I know. Sample from that's, our podcast. That's what I'm scared about. And then all of a sudden. Have you seen those deep fake videos of celebrities? It looks just like them and sounds like it's them. So we've already done the uh, doppelganger and it does not take much to look like us. We figured that <laughs> out. No, it's terrifying. We still need to make t-shirts with our doppelganger faces on it. We do. We do. Were you going to say something? No, I just was instinctively making prayer hands. I know. It, <laughs> In distress, I've gone there. Okay. So almost, well, gosh, it's probably almost been 10 years now. Uh, Black Mirror on Netflix. That I love show, that show. It had like this eerie episode that anchored around grief. Uh, oh so, my god I, it's one of my favorite episodes oh you know which one okay yeah with the old lady yeah so oh. technology deployed in the show is now kind of what they're talking about just to recap the show introduced viewers to martha a young woman grappling with the loss of her partner ash who died in a car crash that one oh no different i'm thinking of a different one okay there there are many now <laughs> at his funeral martha finds out about a digital service that would enable her to communicate with a chat box version of her oh i remember partner. that one and yeah. she subscribes to it. So she said, I only came here to say one thing. I'm pregnant. She revealed to, you know, the fake Ash. And the chatbot responds, wow, so I'll be a dad. I wish I was there with you. It's like, again, eerie is the good word of like really engaging on people's um, heartstrings vulnerability yeah it reminds me of, like with um the people who do like the the readings of people who've passed oh the mediums yeah like you're you're playing specifically on their desire to connect like yeah. it's already innately there you don't have to like you don't have to like tell me why your new technology thing why i need it like it's not even a hard sell yeah i mean i know lots of people like real regular people mm -hmm. that will continue to text a loved one after they've passed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is very, very similar to Microsoft's patent where they can reincarnate people's voices. Well, especially if they do it, you know, using the tones and the affect and the, mm -hmm. the, the lingo, the personality and mm -hmm. make it very realistic. Which you would think over time it would get to that point. Probably it'd start pretty basic, like tends to and then gets more complicated i probably have a lot of buzzwords that would be easy to replicate like what i don't know what not do i what not 
flabber dazzle whereabouts she's nits 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 i don't know i've never heard you say no i've never said any of those words you do say whatnot i do say whatnot okay a liberty (laughs) gibbet (laughs) no gobbledygook tiddlywink we've we've i've said some of those yes so the social data may be used to create or modify like this index and theme of a person's personality. So it'd be kind of like this big codex that they would build over time. So the more they had, the more you know realistic it could be. The tech giant would then use that information to train machine learning engines, and the result would be artificial intelligence that could think and respond like someone you knew. So I have someone, I have a friend who use, uh, has an AI kind of generator. You've seen me use one with words, the yes. generator where you, where you when you tried to replace me for writing our I did. podcast description. But then the fee just got too much. And I didn't feel like it really it replaced was, me. It was fabulous and cr- very creative. I and th- you couldn't I even feel like it. it just was using a lot of fancy synonyms. It had some good connections, I think. Mm. <laughs> I have a friend who uses one too with images. So he can put in something like cat shoes and put in like a picture of a specific cat and it'll give a variety of different pictures of cat and shoes. Like it it interprets what that meaning is. Or yeah, or it could look, I put that together. I'm a human. Or or you can work backwards. Genius. You can put a picture of um of your skull in there. And then see if it can figure out what that is. If it can come to the conclusion of what school that belongs to. Because it might be able to. Fancy. Fancy. Okay. So imagine writing a letter to a lost friend and receiving a response that captures their personality, that feels like them. What if you wrote me a letter after I died and I'm not going to die. And then you get one and it sounds a lot like me. Well, A, I'd be like, why are we writing letters? We've never written letters to each other. <laughs> Actually, I wrote, you, I, I wrote a, a little thank you gratitude letter. You time. did. You did not send it. No, I don't even think I gave it to you. That no, felt you odd. Didn't. I didn't you want didn't. evidence of that. <laughs> so I'd have a lot of questions initially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or picture yourself on a video call with a 2D version of someone who's passed away. What? Like just, talking to grandma. Why are you looking around? Well, because all? I You're freaking I, me out. I heard my phone and I don't see my phone. Stop. I now I'm like, where's my I'm phone? Like, Why is it buzzing and I don't know where it is? I don't hear it. Oh my god, it's right there recording us. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was there's bad. my phone. It's probably buzzing over there. <laughs> it's buzzing over there. We're uh, stupid. I, why we? That was a you. <laughs> you didn't know it was there either. It's not my phone. I didn't think it was lost. I was talking about my topic. This is one of those points and they'd be like, you guys are rude and interrupt each other and more focused on your phone than about talking to each other. All right. So (laughs) those are the type of capabilities that a product could unlock. Like you could talk to grandma who's passed away. Um, but resurrecting the dead via chatbots could have dangerous implications for long-term grief, says counselors. Oh, like which, you can't let go? Yeah, I thought this was interesting because we're counselors. And I could see we, we do things like there's some activities that are pretty common in grief and loss stuff, like writing a letter to someone who's passed, 
um, or, you know, doing something in memory of that sort of thing, right? Yeah, like remembering the good times. Yes, but that, but I've never done something like, let's act like they never died and continue the relationship. Yeah, or even like when you do like, um, there's like a finality to it. Like you're doing, you're getting some closure with whatever you're doing. Well, I would never recommend something like that, but if like from a cultural viewpoint, yeah, if that yeah, is their cultural. belief, like I do ask that, like, what, what are your beliefs about? Like, mm-hmm. is there an afterlife? Is there not, you know, and then like take their lead. So if they do believe in like heaven and that you can talk to your loved one and they're watching you, that's fair, then yeah. I support that, you know, because that's their cultural re- reference point. And I want to be a culturally competent clinician. But I'm not going to suggest it. Like, if they're not bringing it, I wouldn't be like, well, you know, have you heard of heaven? Like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, but that, and to me, this is, it's, uh, my problem with this specifically is it is, it's false. It's like, if I, if I, if they, if I had them write the, a letter to their passed away, whoever, and I wrote back to them in a way that sounded convincing and oh, like said trying it was, to fool them. Well, yeah. I mean, to me. <gasps> Shady AF. So that's trickery but i think even over trickery or mockery that would be pretty intentional but even unintentionally my point is that is that someone can start to view it as real because they want to like and they can get emotionally attached to that so as a counselor if i were sitting there doing that back and forth and said okay your time is up is up with me well now what they have to grieve that communication that connection you know like like in a role play like the counselor is playing the part of the deceased loved one i mean i was talking about writing a letter i don't i feel like you're on a train going one direction i'm on a train going i'm trying to get on the train i I accidentally got another train i realized my mistake i'm desperately trying to figure out where the next station is can i get off reconnect with the train i'm supposed to be on (laughs) that's where i'm at right now let's let's and I'm I'm trying to I'm like feel like I'm putting my hand out <laughs> trying to grab you. I'm carrying luggage. I'm running down the track. Like, I'm like <laughs> making loose connections, trying to grab your hand. Sure, yes, it's sort of like that. I'm um, grasping at your hand, missing. I just watched you fall in the gravel on your face, <laughs> and I'm done. So here, we're just gonna okay, deep breath in. Regret. And out. Okay. Okay. Where are we? I'm. Who are we? The assistant professor of counseling at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, Elizabeth Tolliver, uh, says that her fear is that it would become more like an addiction. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm concerned that people who want more and more of the technology to feel closer to the person they've lost um, rather than living the life that they're currently in. That moving forward piece, not moving on, moving forward. Living. Living. There's other questions that ethics just kind of come along with this, such as, you know, on social media, when you leave behind pictures and posts, can that be turned around for a profit by maybe selling a service where someone can have access to your AI post Hmm. self, um, which means that your data and information is now being profited upon, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some celebs put things like in their will or like their after wishes that says specifically like you cannot make like a hologram of my image things like that nice thing about having a lawyer do you have that because I don't no 
another benefit of the wealthy. <laughs> so Microsoft said that um, it didn't actually say why it filed a patent for this, but they said that there's no plan for this, which, you know, speaking about using, turning a profit on old data. Um, and they called, um, later calling the patent in tech disturbing. So there's not much stopping them from, or any firm from doing this. Like there really is nothing out there, which I think is the most disturbing part of this that would stop them from so doing So it's that. more of an ethical dilemma than a legal dilemma at this point. Yes. And what we know about social media is they're not very ethically inclined. No, that has been it's about a profit. Repeat. Turn yeah. a profit. So AI analysts say that uh, after all, we're living through an era marked by surveillance capitalism where the object up for sale is your data. We are also living through an artificial intelligence revolution that's unlocking new ways to replicate humans and firms are racing to develop clones that serve a host of purposes. Hmm. So like this is being sought out intentionally. Words like clone and host just are inherently <laughs> disturbing. Yes. Google also has a patent for a digital clone that embodies people's mental attributes. Uh-huh. New Zealand-based software company UniQ is marketing digital humans that recreate human interactions at an infinite scale. Pyron, an AI company, is working on tech that re replicates sentiments held by staff within an organization to en enhance chatbots. Chat and the goal really is to capture what their employees know and create a virtual assistant that can answer questions with more accuracy. I think it might be very useful for me to have a conversation with myself it could be insightful just to like just see what other people experience and like use it as self-study it's okay. like something we literally have a I would podcast like to change. hours and hours you listen to yourself all i know the time. it's been very therapeutic for me okay it really has okay i think people should record them talking and just listen back and not edit it and just like see how you appear to the world and if you or like to it or yourself not. yeah just see if you like yourself after that yeah exactly <laughs> it's been very useful for me so one of the main reasons companies are entering in the space is for money uh they want to use your emotions to pitch you a product chat box automate automated text voice robots they've been around for a really long time um, but they're getting more and more complex using emotional intelligence, deep fake technology you're talking about, and audio synthesis is now in the mix. It's so freaky. Mm -hmm. So Michaela, a digital influencer, one of those influencer folks, they are a virtual DJ with 2.9 million followers on Instagram. We're almost there. <laughs> Into the deep fake. Uh AI powers voice assistants such as Siri on your smartphone. So, okay, so this person um, actually shares themselves online. The more they do that, the more digital footprints they put out and the more AI that comes out um, from their own DJing. So, ba -ba -ba -ba. for a typical chatbot, companies turn to AI agencies specifically. So bigger companies that have nothing to do with it. Like you think Microsoft, you think Google, but there's many, many other companies that just then turn towards companies that focus on that to benefit. Mm. So it could also be in other products that you're just not aware of. 
Um, it could cost tens of millions of dollars each year to support a team of highly skilled data scientists, engineers, product developers. So it's really expensive. So you think like outsourcing is probably what most companies will do for it. Um, and what we know is it's being done. So it's already being done. And it's possible- It's already too late. On It's too late. It's already happening on a smaller scale. In 2016, uh, the CEO of Hereafter created an interactive chat box, chat box, Chat, chat bot dubbed dad bot oh that was based on his late father that same year uh eugenia kudya digitally recreated her deceased best friend using text messages he had sent friends before dying in a car crash well if they did that for my text it would be super boring because i am brief <laughs> <That's> <laughs> my texts are like cool yeah <laughs> i respond to like, be like a three paragraph text so like 4 30 okay and you're like great got a coffin <laughs> okay <laughs> you have like really weird shit in two sentences or two words two, words, two yeah. words my typicals are like cool and sounds good <laughs> i tend to write too much and i do the i do the horrible thing like it's almost a journal like i'll send like you know a sentence and then another and then if you were like like, and then I had someone call me out later on it and say something, what did they say? That you're, you know, every time you send me a message, it, it vibrates or it pings. <laughs> Can you just send it in one message? Yeah, I've, but texts, they're limited. It's not. Well, I mean, it breaks it up. <laughs> I know, but no. It's, and that annoys me when it's so long that it, and then I'm like, which is the first it's one? It's not even that long. That. It'll be like four sentences worth that would totally fit in one thing. But I'm almost doing it like train of thought. Yeah. Da-da-da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da-da-da. Send. Oh, yeah. Da-da-da. You're send. creating an art form exactly. and people don't appreciate your art. Thank you. You're ahead of your time. So much. So, okay. Back on the train. It's like identity theft. There are limitations. People only share so much on social media. So that's a problem. Algorithms, or some people share too much. Yes. Algorithms get flawed. Humans are highly complex, believe it or not. And what, what also gets, if we think about what is in our data is implanted data, right? So um, our social media is full of other people's stuff. We're responding to other people. It's not necessarily an image of our true selves. No, hell no. Um, even like the things that they market to us could be used. And it's like, well, you're saying I'm interested in that because I went to a baby shower once and I bought baby diapers. And now for the next two months, I'm getting all like cribs and rattles and things. No, my phone's always listening to any conversation I have. And I always have ads immediately about whatever it is I was talking about. You're so fast. Microsoft's patent suggests the company could use crowdsourced data to fill in any gaps. So in other words, resulting chatbots could end up saying things the person never actually said. So that's the filling in part. Uh, while the AI is derived from a real human, it's not the same thing, clearly, if you're deaf. And I just want to say, too, it's hard to collect tribal knowledge, like you're talking about, like, culture, things that make people unique and different that are just part of being a person, like personal communication is different than technological communication. So all of that community knowledge, cultural knowledge really just falls away mm -hmm. um, through technology. Some, you know, and it may be present in some ways for some people, but not in its truest form. 
uh, the closest companies can get to authored knowledge are things that you wrote or things that were transcribed while you were on a Zoom call. Keep that in mind. Zoom. It Damn exists. You. They transcribe you. So they know all your things. So but do you have to like press a button for that and acknowledge or does it just happen automatically? Well, you, when you record, like we right. do, it usually says, hey, this is being recorded. Oh, we have so much audio material for the future for the to be future. used against us. In the court. They're going to twist our words. Zoom. I think we have plenty of words. They probably wouldn't even have to come up with anything new. They probably wouldn't even have to twist them. They're no. already twisted. They probably don't want ours, actually. It's not us. It's not us. This isn't us? Are we bots? We are, Pod bots? We are AI. I need another beverage. Do you want one? I, no, I didn't get to. I was driving oh. the train. <laughs> driving the train. High on cocaine. Did she just say she was driving the train high on cocaine? Is that an actual song? She's singing it like it's an actual song, but I don't think it is. She's still singing. Is that a real song? No, she just sounds mad. Of course, Riffle Ed. Jesus, Macy. What was the drain? Okay, it's Chris Jones. Okay, my apologies. So. Crack in! Wow, that was loud. I'm so excited about my topic because. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Oh, sorry. I'm just you you closed your thing. I know, I'm, I'm I mean, not that I was looking. I just I not just, that I was looking. I just had to ruin that thunder. You came in so gusto, and I just needed. I'm to, all gusto. I'm that friend that sticks her foot out and trips you on occasion just to keep us humble. No, I know. Um, so I had no topic. I had some ideas this morning, and ideas are good. And then I walk in the living room and my son's listening to some podcast. Can you remove this dead object in front of me? <laughs> Marmot dust flying through the air. <laughs> Talk to me later. And he's like, the only news I care about is news about the Georgia Guidestones. And I said, what are the Georgia Guidestones? What? And he said, you don't know about this? I said, no, I don't know about this. Enlighten me, child. I mean, that's, those aren't exact quotes. Well, now it will be. <laughs> <laughs> now it will be. She says things like, enlighten me, child. She must have been a cult leader. But so then he, he told me a little bit about it. I'm like, I think this could be a podcast topic. And I dove in and it certainly is. And let me tell you, I am amazed. A, I never heard of this. And B, I've never heard of it. I'm amazed by how much I learned and I'm amazed by my excitement to share it with you and the world but mostly me but mostly you thank you okay the, I can't see okay the big mic is in the way let me tell you about the Georgia Guidestones I do <laughs> aka the 10 commandments of the antichrist what does aka stand for otherwise known as seriously hmm. wow I, I've heard okay this is <laughs> we're we're at the station i use AKA we have not purchased our ticket yet and i just needed to verify can you please move that cursor so it's not like pointing at my nose it's really <laughs> bothering me on the video i'm not gonna be able to concentrate no now it's worse you made it no now it's poking me in the eye and it looks real sharp hide it from my sight 
Okay, the Georgia Guidestones were five massive slabs of granite in Georgia inscribed with instructions for rebuilding humanity after the apocalypse. The monument rose out of the earth in an X-shaped pattern. The rocks are were each are 16, you mining right now? 16 feet tall, with four of them weighing more than 20 tons each. And together they supported a 25,000 pound capstone. So this was mm. a big, big monument. Oh my gosh, is that what capstone means? Because they use capstone yeah, in like projects top. and stuff. <gasps> well, capstone is like the top well, thing, the what, last thing they what do. What Skylar was sharing with me today, hopefully it's okay to share this. Um, Skylar's really into esoteric learning. Um, and he was sharing with me today as I was researching this and just being like, look at this, look at this, that the pyramids may have originally had, because you know they're flat on the top, mm-hmm, may mm-hmm. have originally had like a capstone that went to a point. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. And for some reasons that um, I'm not going to disclose right now, they don't. So reactions to this monument when it was first erected ranged from hatred to devotion as most things do i feel like that's our fan base hatred or devotion agreed (laughs) you're allowed to flip-flop too it's fine and go back and forth yeah leave us come back Mm -hmm. um who was behind the stones remains a mystery to this day whoever the anonymous planners of the guidestones were they knew what they were doing the monument was a highly engineered structure that flawlessly tracked the sun so here's the backstory one afternoon in june of 1979 and well-dressed old gentleman showed up in elbert county georgia and went to the offices of the Elberton Granite Finishing Company. Yes. Will you give verbal permission to have this used as a bedtime story in the future for me? Of course. Thank you. Continue. With a hologram to do like all the hand motions. I'm totally, like, the miming. On the wall at night in like some pretty colors. I want to be a shadow puppet after death. Absolutely. Keep going. This is great. <laughs> I listened. I listened to sleep stories. So this is perfect. Go in as much detail as you can. The man introduced himself as Robert C. Christian. He claimed to represent, quote, a small group of loyal Americans, unquote, who had been planning the installation of an unusually large and complex stone monument. Christian had come to Elberton because it was the granite capital of the world and because he believed the quarries there produced the finest stone on the planet. Joe Findley, who at the time was Elberton Granite's president, at first was not really paying attention to this man. But when Christian began to describe the monument he had in mind, Findley stopped what he was doing and started paying attention. Not only was the man asking for stones larger than any that had been quarried in the county's history. Suspicious. He also wanted them cut finished and assembled in some kind of enormous astronomical instrument. Mm. What could this be for? Finley asked. 
Christian explained that the structure he had in mind would serve as a compass, a calendar, and clock. It would also need to be engraved with a set of guides written in eight of the world's major languages. And it had to be capable of withstanding the most catastrophic events so that the shattered remnants of civilization and humanity would be able to use those guides to reestablish a better civilization than the one that was about to destroy itself. Sounds relevant. The monument sat at the highest point in Elbert County and was oriented to track the sun's east-west migration year round. So the site was chosen because it was high up and you had 360 degree view no trees were blocking. On an equinox or solstice, people who stood at the west side of what was called the male slot, so it was like a, a thin rectangular hole that was cut out, were positioned to see the sun rise on the horizon. And an eye level hole drilled into the center support stone allowed stargazers on the south to locate Polar Polaris, the North Star. So it was positioned so the North Star was always in that hole. Mm. And so the thinking was that after end of times, maybe when all AI has gone, it, you can no longer we, okay Google. Yeah, we can't Google Star Map or Grandpa. So that we would be able to have those yeah. that um orientation. Oh my gosh, my phone turned on and it's the North Star. It. No. And it says, Hi, how can I help you? <laughs> A Get out. Seven eighth inch hole drilled through the capstone focused a sunbeam on the center column. So it would shine down. And at noon every day would shine down and pinpoint the day of the year on a calendar. So it was a compass, it's fancy, a calendar. It was a clock. Finley has been deceased for some time. But shortly after the Guidestones went up, an Atlanta television reporter asked what he was thinking when he first heard Christian's plan. I was thinking, I got a nut in here now. How am I going to get him out? Wait, what? A nut. He thought Christian was a nut. Oh. Okay. That's a that's a term. I, I it's, it's a term use. you say now. <laughs> Now, now it's one of my buzzwords. You have many interesting buzzwords now from, from your from my recording. From bestiality to this. Finley said he attempted to discourage the man by quoting him a price several times higher than any project ever commissioned before. So trying to like just get rid of him by quoting a ridiculous amount. But Christian just nodded. He was like cool about it, didn't react, and just mm -hmm. asked how long it would take. Finley estimated about six months. He wasn't sure. He wasn't even, he said he wasn't even going to be able to consider such an undertaking until he knew it could be paid for. So Christian asked whether there was a banker in town and Finley was like, okay, now I can get rid of this strange old guy and send him to look for Wyatt Martin, president of Granite City Bank. Martin was the only man in Elberton beside Finley known to have met Robert C. Christian, or he went by R.C. Christian, commonly face-to-face. -face. And Martin 
was the one who corresponded with R.C. Christian for years and years and years. So he said, Finley called me and said, a kook over here. That's another old term. Mm. A kook over here wants some kind of crazy monument. Crazy also. also so nut, kook, crazy. Those are old yeah, terms. Just not okay with that. In insane. What we could else? just say like, this is unusual. This is unprecedented. Odd. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's curious. It's different than I'm used to. <laughs> But Martin said when this fellow showed up, he was wearing a very nice, expensive suit, which made me take him a little more seriously. I, you know, that's what I do when I want to be taken seriously. You wear a very nice show up in a very nice suit. Well, I mean, we all learned that lesson in Pretty Woman. It makes true. a difference. He was well spoken, obviously an educated person. Mm -hmm. Martin was naturally taken aback when the man told him straight out that R.C. Christian was a pseudonym. So it wasn't his real name. He was mm -hmm. hiding his real identity. And he added that his group had been planning this secretly for 20 years and that they wanted to remain anonymous forever. Doesn't happen. Well, it has till now. At has, least. Well, till now. Yeah. It's, now, yeah. It's, now it's no, time. it's still. Oh, still. Yeah. To this day. To this day. It remains a mystery. About who he is. Who is behind this monument. Yeah. Mm. For reals. Mm. See, he stayed out of the interwebs. When Christian came back to, he did not do a podcast. <laughs> not do a podcast. He was not on the Facebooks. <laughs> the metaverse. Gross. Gross. When Christian came back to the bank. Martin explained that he could not proceed unless he could verify the man's true identity and get some assurance that he could pay for the thing. And eventually they negotiated an agreement. Um, so Martin would serve as his sole intermediary and sign an agreement of confidentiality that he would never disclose any information as long as he lived. And he kept that. Martin kept that agreement. Nice. And he had to agree to destroy all documents and records related to the project when it was finished. He said he was going to send money from different banks across the country because he wanted to make sure it couldn't be traced. And he was very serious about secrets. Before leaving town, Christian met again with Fendley, the president of the granite company and presented the contractor with a shoe box containing a wooden model of the monument that he wanted, plus 20, 10 or so pages of detailed specs. Finley accepted the model and the instructions, but was sort of skeptical until he got a phone call the next week to say from Martin to say he had just received a $10,000 deposit. Yeah. I mean, to me, like it's, I don't care what you want me to build um, as long as the money hits. So the money hit. The total amount to be paid supposedly was $100,000, which in 79 was a lot, a lot more than now. Yeah. So after that, Finley got to work. Finley and Martin helped Christian find a suitable site for the Guidestones in Elbert County. And they located a flat-topped hill that were above the pastures of the Double Seven Farms that had views in all directions. For $5,000, the owner, Wayne Mullinex, signed over a five-acre plot 
And in addition to getting that money, the owner of the land was granted a lifetime of cattle grazing rights for himself and then his predecessors, his children. So basically it's just, let us build here. You can still graze your cattle. Yes. So they got to work. Um, Christian said goodbye to Finley at the Granite Company office and said, you'll never see me again, which was true. Christian then turned and walked out the door. What are you looking at? The giraffe on the can. Look at his eyes. He looks a little distressed. Or drunk. Or was that? Is it supposed to be a drunk giraffe? Is it looks that like a drunk point? giraffe. I don't get that for an apple cider. This is 8.5%, baby. Oh. Which is strong for a cider. Yeah, sorry. I, I got off the train. I'm yep, back. hop back on. I'm on. From then on, com- Christian communicated solely through Martin. Um, they remained pen pals. I've always wanted a until, pen pal until Christian. But they're like mostly with prisons. I don't know. Until Christian died, I used to have a pen pal, um, a couple in Russia before the Jews were let out oh. in the Soviet Union. I had a couple pen pals. What happened once they were let out? Well, I guess they didn't need to write me anymore. Well, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, pen pal? Why have you no, abandoned no. me? <laughs> I'm available for a letter. Sorry to It'll be you. very brief, but <laughs> important. <laughs> Sorry to rip off that wound. Go on. Rubbing the salt. Okay. So a few weeks after they got started, Christian said that the ownership of the land and the monument should be transferred to Elbert County. So... That was what happened, and Elbert County still holds holds the the ownership of that land. So, who was R.C. Christian? We don't know to this day. I learned. I watched a documentary called "Dark Clouds Over Elberton: The True Story of the Georgia Guidestones." It was put out in 2015, and it purported to expose the true identity of Robert Christian. Purported. So they went to interview Martin. Overall, it's a decent documentary. And we're honest. <laughs> I remember wondering, you're like, yeah, not worth it. Yeah, if you can't get first through the first three minutes of tunnels, it's not <laughs> going to be good. So they went and interviewed all the key players that were alive at the time um, and interviewed Martin, who mm-hmm. is the, the bank person that was in contact with Christian. And the only person who's reputed to know Robert Christian's identity. And this is where, like, up until that point of when they were talking to him, I thought it was a great documentary, like, gave a lot of good backstory. But I did not like the, the strategies and techniques the document people use. Documentarians? Because Martin was of elder age yeah. at the time of this filming. And I feel like... You know, not quite at the same faculties that he had when he was younger, which, you know, that's a normal process of life. I feel like they took advantage of him. I did not like that. They convinced him to open the secret suitcase that had his documents. 
even though he had said over and over, I'm going to take my information to the grave. So he did not give consent. They he sort of him. did. But was he able to give consent? Yeah. I am questioning that. Competency-wise, like yes. for where his mental facilities were. Yes. And so what did they do? They start taking pictures. No. Of the documents no. that he generously decided to open the suitcase i would slap their hands so fast are you kidding me but he's a very elder man yeah and and um i just don't think he really mm. understood what they were what doing yeah so they're taking pictures of something he really signatures they're taking about. pictures of addresses they're taking pictures of postmarks this has so much to do cross topic here about consent, consent and people's and like, be nice rights. to old people jesus like this is his thing that was very important to him be nice to he old made people. an oath that he was going to take his You're information to the grave he mm -hmm. took that very seriously and these documentary people i feel like took advantage mm -hmm. of him like if i heard that and then heard i stopped watching it at trying to persuade him i'd be like whoa 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 he's already said no yeah and the so he said no on camera and then off camera there was a conversation and then they're back on camera and they said he agreed to show them the suitcase i'm like mm -hmm. what happened off. off camera did they offer him money did they like what happened there and then when he had the suitcase open and he was like he's like i think i can show you this that would be okay like it wouldn't reveal anything and then they're taking pictures of shit like, yeah, which and again, a, like he's you old, like he didn't realize, and all that. he didn't realize what he was sort of revealing there. Yeah, which is private, which is probably confidential information, anyways. Well, I mean, it may expire that, but the record should be, uh, what's it called? That well, it's it's the whole point garbage. That this was important to him, like he said, I'm gonna take this information to my grave, like this, like that was important to him yeah and they robbed him of that he has the right to not have his personal things shared if he says no i just hope to god he was dead by the time that documentary came out so based on their you know shady research and investigation strategies they track down like i don't even want to share their information now i don't even feel like they deserve it yeah well and it's his information like yeah well i mean this is out there oh, this part <laughs> so they tracked down who they felt um was the true just person feels, behind rc christian no, it just feels dirty now no it feels dirty and i don't even want to say it now like it can we just keep it a mystery yeah i'm not gonna well i mean we could just look this up and look i mean other people can look it up but can we <laughs> respect his rights yeah i'm not gonna say it all right so christian and martin stayed in touch by letter they actually became like close friends mm -hmm. and they had an occasional phone call until one day the letter stopped and martin said he just assumed that christian had passed at that point um he didn't want to reveal you know any details about that he felt like that was personal to the family so he really wanted to honor this person's privacy and secrecy but these documentary people were just ruthless mm -hmm. so questions continue was christian a real person could he have been a conglomeration of many different people i mean he said himself it was a pseudonym mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
so was he just one person was, was you a representative yeah exactly something? yeah so these goes questions continue let's get into the guidestones shall we yes please okay let me take a sip of my cider yep I did have my pinky up, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> the astrological specifications for the guidestones were so complex that Fendley of the Granite Company had to hire the services of an astronomer from the University of Georgia to help implement the design. The four outer stones were to be oriented based on the limits of the sun's yearly migration. The center column needed two precisely calibrated features had to have the hole that the North Star would be visible through at all times, and then a slot that was to align with the position of the rising sun during the solstices and equinoxes. So the research behind this was Solid. legit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the principal component of the capstone was that seven eighth inch aperture through which a beam of sunlight would pass by at noon every day shining on the center stone to tell us mm -hmm. the day of the year the main feature of the monument though would be the 10 dictates so let's go Ooh. back to our 10 commandments of the antichrist Ooh, okay so these 10 dictates would be carved into both faces of the outer stones in eight languages, English, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, Arabic, Hebrew, Hindi, and Swahili. Wow. And information would be sort of like a mission statement would be engraved on the sides of the capstone. And it said, let these guidestones be lead to an agent of reason or something like that. I think I left a word out. So this was to be engraved in Egyptian hieroglyphics, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Babylonian cuneiform. Mm. So this could serve as a translation guide. And they had to consult with the United Nations to figure out how to translate that age of, of reason. It. Yeah into these four um what they're called dead languages quote unquote there was also a separate informational stone that's on the ground that had a statement about a time capsule Ooh, that would be placed beneath the structure but it was it but the dates weren't left out so it said time capsule to be placed on and mm -hmm. it was blank to be unearthed on and it was blank and it said it would be six it was six feet under the monument was kept covered in black plastic and unveiled to great fanfare and applause at the Vernal Equinox in 1980. So 32 years ago. A local minister, James Travenstead, oh, that's like your last name almost, predicted that occult groups would flock to the Guidestones warning that someday a sacrifice will take place here and the person who did the sandblasting of the letters said during the hundreds of hours he spent etching the guides he was constantly distracted by strange music and disjointed voices Ooh. and it did in years after become a, a place where people interested in the occult 
people interested in witchery would go. Want to hear the 10 guides? Yes, I do. Okay. So the first one is the one that people get the most uh, disgruntled about. Oh, I love disgruntling. It says, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So maintain is a word that has created a lot of conversation like mm -hmm. what does that mean mm -hmm. um and we currently have almost eight billion people so, so we're over how do we maintain how do we get down to that level and then how do we maintain so two very big questions well and does it does it imply that we are in charge of that or is it just saying that that is a principle no this these are guides for, for future post-apocalyptic humanity okay in rebuilding okay so we're a bit over you know it's we're a bit over mm -hmm. you know i wasn't great at math but we're a bit over the second guide is guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity so this brings up echoes of eugenics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. echoes of the nazi party that wanted to create a master race mm -hmm. like who gets to choose like what does that mean <laughs> what is the gold standard yes and who's deciding that so disturbing yes number three unite humanity with a living language a living new language so mm -hmm. which is interesting that they have so many languages like used there but they're saying like have it's interesting may say yes and um the book of revelations warned of a common tongue and a one world government as the accomplishments of the antichrist oh so religiously christian people we're not a fan mm -hmm. of the monument, the Georgia Guidestones. Mm -hmm. Number four, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Everything in moderation. So faith and tradition put in here um, implies a, a post-religious world. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Can you read it out loud one more time? rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason be cautious that's what that's saying yeah so again that feels threatening to mm -hmm. religion mm -hmm. number five protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts which seems very timely mm -hmm. yeah number six let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world courts Hmm. number seven avoid petty laws and useless officials <laughs> that's not, that sounds like someone has a grudge <laughs> a little difficult to enforce yeah number eight balance personal rights with social duties hmm. accountability but is that impingement on freedoms and independence well that, I'm who is establishing these, the social duties but, but don't have extra people <laughs> <laughs> don't have extra and who are those extras that are now looking over their shoulder and, and i'd be like 
shit, we're 500 million and one. I'm going down. Like, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> am I one of the essential people that's helping doing this? Or am what? I the am I essential workforce? Or am I the one over? What <laughs> or or am I a soft science? Damn it. I chose ah. wrong. <laughs> ah. Uh number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Number 10, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room Fair. for nature. Leave room for nature. Mm -hmm. And Yoko Ono used this one as a lyric on her song called Georgia Stone, which is very interesting. Uh -huh. I actually listened to it. Very interesting. Here's a picture of the monument in its heyday. Oh, wow. So you see this, it's called the male slot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's big. Those are 16 feet tall. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why the stones were erected continues to be a subject word. of debate. Yeah. What was their true meaning? What was their true purpose? Does it have satanic origin? Some believe that perhaps the person behind the pseudonym, R.C. Christian, was a member of perhaps a devil-worshipping secret society. Is it harboring in the New World Order? Does it have something to do with the Illuminati? These are possible theories yeah what's interesting to me about this is that it's so careful like they didn't just say hail satan <laughs> or you know it's, or hey go kill people yeah they're all very like up to whoever's reading that's going to read it a little bit differently you feel like it's open to interpretation yeah which i think makes it except maintain 500 million people like that seems pretty specific <laughs> It does, but it does, but again, it doesn't say who, it doesn't say why, it doesn't give any parameters for actually measuring that. Like, right. Is it saying there's a good and a bad, or is it just there's a cutoff? Well, I think it leaves <laughs> it up to us to how do we again, enact it. Like all of these are like, how do you enact it? But that leaves room for interpretation, which means it's either like almost kind of getting your toe in the door, like we want to be heard at least. Cause if you go too extreme with what you're saying, so if it is more of the occulty side then nobody's going to listen or you know a small portion but if you make enough toe in the door then you may get a wider audience yes. interested yes yes does it have racist origins i mean it certainly seems so there are elements <laughs> is it a sign that the end times are nigh i mean this was in the 80s though right Yes, and nuclear war was an imminent threat at mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. um, but are those end times going to be an intentional human-made event or an unintentional human-made event? Yeah, it's because it brings up ideas about climate change to me. Yeah, like yeah. that's sort of in unintentional, but it could still lead to. End it's of almost times. like the counterpart to like Confucius, which I did a topic on him, right? So like. Confucius says, no, you did, you did Nostradamus. or Nostradamus, sorry, sorry, yes, so that's my can of wine, Confucius, 
very different actually now that I have him pause. Yes, thank you. Nostradamus. Um, but Nostradamus made specific, very kind of vague general type claims about things that would happen in the future. And that would then predict what or would influence what people's behaviors were. This sounds like it's kind of saying um, almost like, here's what we want your behavior to be. And then the, the um, future part is the part that's left open-ended. Mm, like it yes. doesn't say what's going to happen, but it says, here's what could- Here what are the parameters. Oh, there's parent. Okay, go ahead. No, those are the parameters. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, oh, there's more? <laughs> Even though some of them I thought were like ambiguous, mm -hmm. like the part about like, what was it like have a, a trustworthy officials or something yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How, like and not too many can we operationally <laughs> define this <laughs> I, I need smart goals yes <laughs> um a very popular theory as is that the rosicrucians are behind it so rc christian rc could mm. be stand for rosy cross which is okay. the rosicrucians um I've I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but what, I've been to the Rosicrucian Museum in San Jose many times. I think it's fascinating. And my take on it is I don't know anything about it. Well, from what I took away, I mean, I don't I can't I'm not a member, so I don't have like all the information. You're not in the inn. I did look into applying, but at the time the membership the fee, fees were ridiculous it just didn't seem like what i wanted to spend my money on you know i was like sushi rosicrucian eh. um sushi but every time my feeling my take from these guides is it doesn't seem aligned with my takeaway as a lay person from the rosicrucian like mission which seems a lot more about like hope and love of learning and enlightenment and just really like getting at the mystical secrets of life this seems more destructive and negative and like people are definitely gonna die it's very this. limiting it's <laughs> yes yeah yes it's very limiting where i felt rosicrucians are more expansive so i personally don't think that's true but that is the yeah. most popular theory out there i mean are there too many people on the on this earth probably but um <laughs> but then when you say that it creates dangerous implications yeah like what does that mean next like when, how do you put that into an action and when step? you're <laughs> and when you're attaching like it's different when i just say that like there's too many people in the world versus like okay and i'm going to create this architecture that means something about our future well-being that Right. clout right i mean stating there's too many people in the world and then putting that into a five-step action plan are very different yes 10 steps right <laughs> there's 10 okay <laughs> I, I i'm i'm simplistic <laughs> um of course could there be a connection to visitors from space <laughs> i have to put that in there I mean, from above, it looks like an X. It could be a landing pad. It would kind of support a, a craft. To, Doubtful. It's an expensive landing pad. And it's not really say. that big. From the aerial view, it's not. Yeah, that I mean, big. I feel like crop circles do better. Yeah. For like, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. So a lot of Freemasons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I could see that. We're involved in this. Mm -hmm um 
the land owner that this was put on was the Freemason. Many are involved. So some are like, well, what? How does does that come into play? I mean, that's another secret society. Pulling a favor sort of thing. Yeah. What's the connection there? We don't know. So there's a lot of. Because, okay, if we think. Mystery. Yeah. I mean, if we think too, like the willingness of a farmer to do that on his land, he would probably would ascribe to whatever that thing was. Well, this is a very small town. Mm -hmm. So there was talk, you know, he like knew yeah like the people involved but it's yeah it could have been easily like make it feel really big and like you're really important to be part of this sort of thing or he was just like hey i think i got the perfect spot on my land or cattle farming's hard and i could use the money so i read that initially it was supposed to be free grazing for the cattle Mm -hmm. but they did have to put some barbed wire around because the cat the cows were like rubbing on it using it as a back scratcher horses do that too yeah itchy so (laughs) it leaves like a little dirt skin residue it's gross (laughs) so in that documentary that i started loving and ended up hating they do interview the landowner and (laughs) i mean i have to say i thought you were going to say they interviewed the cattle and they interviewed the cattle (laughs) and they really were against the barbed wire feelings i'd be pissed about that because you imagine that first time you went back after and you go and scratch your back you get you you walked all the way up that hill thinking you're getting there and you get your back tore up and now you gotta heal for three weeks and there's coyotes after you now wolves even do they have those in georgia mountain lions i don't know Hmm, maybe i don't know what was that one topic you had that was horrible billy whack monsters maybe there's billy whack monsters who knows there are What I thought was cool about this landowner guy was that he was very open to whoever came there. Like, yeah, impressively non-judgmental, I thought. Which is interesting. Yeah, he's like, sometimes I look out, I see a bunch of candles being lit, I see witches marrying each other. He's like, you know, that's their business. And I'm almost wondering, was that a secret part of the contract that like anybody that wanted to come would be allowed to come there? Because yeah. it almost seems a little incongruent from, you mm-hmm. know, stereotypical views of Southern culture. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> In the late. Get off my stones. <laughs> 2000. The first major act of defacement to the monument occurred Mm. with death to the new world order Mm. and other slogans spray paint on it. It was also splashed with polyurethane, which is very difficult to get off. Mm. So. Until four days ago. Oh, wow. The monument sat and awaited the end of the world. Mm. Then, on July 6th, which is four days ago, 2022, the Georgia Guidestones were blown up. What? Plot twist. Plot twist. You did not see that coming. I did not see it coming. I'm so glad. Wow. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation said in a tweet, the GBI is releasing additional surveillance video that shows an unknown person leaving, leaving an explosive device at the Georgia Guidestones. Mm. The video is unclear, but agents are still actively working to identify the person leaving the scene after the explosion. Mm. 
So the, the video shows a person running up, placing an explosive, and then driving off. So we know it was a person. We know it's a single person, at least on site. And we know it's the type of explosives that you can run with and not blow yourself up. And then it shows the car that is mm -hmm. leaving. Wow. So it it exploded one whole giant slab, one of those 16 feet one, mm -hmm. and then part of the capstone. Mm -hmm. So later that day, they decided that the whole thing was unsafe. Mm -hmm. And they demolished the entire monument four days ago. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. Okay. So the Georgia Guidestones, after the initial like news in 1980 when they were put up, they pretty much faded out of the yeah, I mean, like, I spotlight. Yeah. They did bring in about 20,000 visitors a year in their tourism dollars. Um, they did come back into the headlines this May, however, during the Republican primary for Georgia governor. Mm -hmm. One of the candidates... Candace Taylor tweeted out a campaign video about the monument. Oh, snap. Quote, elect me governor of Georgia and I will bring the satanic regime to oh its knees gosh. and demolish oh the Georgia Guidestones. Leave people alone. I mean, you know, if people are like actively doing things to, I don't know, limit the population, fine, address it. <laughs> but it's like, it's on i don't understand you're you're just as much part of the problem lady a couple hours after the explosion candace taylor tweeted quote god is god by himself he can do anything he wants to do that includes striking down satanic guidestones liar <laughs> that was not god by the way <laughs> um i feel like god would be upset uh, if he heard that, because clearly a person was videotaped. Videotaped. God doesn't drive a pickup. A time capsule supposedly was not found. Now, in that documentary, they were really grilling somebody that was involved in the construction mm -hmm. of it and about whether or not there was a time capsule and they were extremely evasive about it and did not want to give any information and so this makes me feel like maybe there was a time capsule and the authorities are just saying nothing was found under there i mean the freemasons would have been the first ones on site mm -hmm, as the mm -hmm. experts to extract something with you know the stonework and everything and so maybe something was being protected and that hushed was private property it was purchased right so like, well, it belonged to the county oh it was county okay yeah they turned it, the rc christian turned it over the county right away because you felt like they would be mm -hmm. the best caretakers for mm -hmm. it but i mean you're gonna if there's an explosion, it's going to be cordoned off. The public's not going to be allowed in. So really anything can happen in those early hours. Mm -hmm. Even a connection with the owner of the property. Yeah, who yeah. is a Freemason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. I mean, maybe the owner ran out and like dug something up and took it and protected it. Mm -hmm. We don't know. So there's a big question about the time capsule. Was there one? Was there not one? If there was one, where is it now? 
So if you want to learn more, Macy loves this part. <laughs> um, two of my main sources were a 2009 Wired article by Randall oh, Sullivan. I love Wired. That's a great magazine. I wish it was. Yeah, this is an online article. And it has a link. If you go all the way to the bottom of the article, it has this amazing link to a 50-page PDF that was published in 1981 by the Elberton Granite Company that oh, documents wow. the entire thing. That's cool. It's nice to find the original. Documents. Yeah, I fucking love source material. Nothing gets my so heart good. pounding like source material. So I, I recommend that. And then um, there's lots of documentaries out there. I watched a bit of a shitty one on the History Channel called Decoded. It was just so cheeseball, I couldn't take it. Um, and then I jumped over to the Dark Clouds over Elberton. I think it is good, but I could not watch it after, like I mentioned, I felt like they were taking advantage of um, an elderly person. Mm-hmm. So... That's Georgia Gladstones. Very, I'm happy to learn I've about it. I've never heard about it, but now yes. I'm sad I never went there. And now they're gone. There are many places we've never gone. Like, why did they have to be destroyed? I like why do feel people sad about be it. Because I feel sad about it. Like, even if, like, maybe it has some, I mean, not maybe, maybe there are some disturbing, hateful things on there, but is this something we can learn from? Like, you know. Yeah, slap that bad boy in a museum, call it what it is, and be done. Yeah, and explain. Or, you know, like, yeah, let's, like make it, you know, put boundaries on it. We can't learn from history if history is blown up. <laughs> yeah. And then we're doomed to repeat it, as they say. And I just want to say, I am really tired of hearing about, like, witchcraft and, like, this like having anything other than religious norm be identified as witchcraft or whatever because I, I i've several things i've heard recently where it's like oh and that got viewed as witchcraft and this got viewed as witchcraft and this got viewed as witchcraft like okay but maybe like some people who went there it was it was more about just identifying with something in a community and they and it wasn't harming anybody like maybe. people that self-identify as witches like like it's all positive yeah it's all good stuff i don't i don't think they would appreciate it just being like oh a it's negative. a negative connotation yeah, because it is actually a very positive approach to life and very attuned with nature um and i actually this came up when i was looking up uh so i have the black kitten little black kitten is this the one you were trying to find a home for or same thing okay because i'm confused about the it one seems i was like you're find keeping it, it. <laughs> so you i still have it i do i do okay. still have it, it. seems but like the, it's your cat but now. the mama kitty and the brother kitty got adopted and that's great okay. the other one mm-hmm. okay it's but your I, was, cat. I was looking it's your it cat just <laughs> admit it it's your fucking cat. I will not say it out loud. <laughs> so, like, back when, like, uh, women were targeted for witchcraft a lot. Um, one and of, killed. And killed. A lot of uh, what was targeted involving cats was, like, these women who often were, um, uh, what's it called when you, like, lose your husband? What's that called? You're a widow. You're a widow. Like, were often widows 
who like weren't pursuing relationships or outside of that age of being, you know, part of community engagements, things like that. And they would keep cats as pets. And so like they, they would be viewed as like, today it's like being the cat lady, <laughs> but because they were isolated. So having a cat was a sign of, of being a witch. Something bad going on. Yes. And so your cat is black also. Yes. And it wasn't just black cats back then, but that became the like omen that the whole thing was that because they're black, they can yeah. hide in the dark um, with witches. Secrets. With witches to do bad. I bad, love bad walking omens. in the darkness and shadows. Mm-hmm. That's what how I move around this neighborhood at night alone and feels completely safe. I become the shadow. That's awesome. That's also how people go missing. (laughs) Still here. Is it time? It's time. It's time. Until next time. Um, Don't deep fake my grandma. And quit blowing shit up.